have you seen the movie uh, Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? Years and years and years ago. And I just remember the takeaway basically being um, that he kind of woke up and started to realise that every day he was doing exactly the same things with the same people, the same places, and nothing was changing, including him. And he started to realise this and, and kind of watch himself from the outside and that's all I remember. Yeah, and well, that's essentially it, isn't it? He just kept waking up and living the same day again over and over. And in the beginning of it, he's just... Because he was already in a rut, which is today's topic, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, in his life and career and the like, and in this Groundhog Day stuff. And he saw, yeah, you're right. So he just wake up and he would live the same day over and over again. And it wasn't till after he realized what was going on that he then started to pay attention to his life and start making changes, start doing good things. And yeah, so kind of transformed his life this way. And I remember as a second lieutenant or second lieutenant in training, we had to read a book called Duffer's Drift. Um, and it was the same, it was it was a way of teaching us, which is actually quite a neat way. I should write a book in the same style. Um, it was a basically, uh, in your Boer Wars, the British Boer Wars, um, there was a, a lieutenant Duff, uh, Duff, yeah, Duffer's Drift. Uh, I can't remember the lieutenant's name. Uh, before thought, after thought, something like that. Anyway, um, he do, we would do a platoon defense or attack or something, uh, and then everybody would get killed. And then he had to redo the battle again. But each time he learned a different lesson. And so by the time he's recycled through living this, fighting this battle over and over again, he learned how to be a good lieutenant. And Tom Cruise has just done one as well, not long ago. You know that one... Um, Okay, this, the name's going to escape me, but it's something like one day or something. But basically, he keeps dying over and over um, and doing this same kind of thing. And it, it's not to a point where they realize that actually um, that that they are just doing the same thing. And then they start learning lessons and then they start growing and evolving um, and getting better at at what they're doing. And hence we got ourselves to this question that we wanted to talk about today, which is how do you get, how do you get yourself unstuck? How do you get out of a rut, a life rut when you find yourself sort of stuck in one? Um, And I think there's, you know, we end up getting in this rut, I think just by the fact that um, there's a tendency to make life efficient and we're getting this thing into being efficient. And if I get more f- efficient, I can be more productive and do more things. And so we create these systems, we create these routines that on the surface help us to get better at, at things. So for instance, example, you know, if you commute to work, more than likely you drive the exact same route every day to work. You got a couple of escape routes in case there's traffic on one you got a couple of alternatives. But for the main, if all things being equal, you take the same road into work such that you know the routine that you have at home, that you know exactly what time you got to get out the door by with a little bit of slack for you to get. And you just do that repeatedly day in and day out. And I suspect most people's day, you'll have a little nuances, but the day is essentially the same. So 
yesterday will be the same as today as the next day with a little bit of nuance there, but it's essentially the same day. And we live in the same day every day um, of our lives. We're rinse and repeat, basically. And then just kind of getting into this habit until one day you kind of wake up and and you're kind of just somewhere, but you're not quite sure how you got to where you are and how to get out of where you are. And it reminds me of a, and I'll stop talking in a second here. <laughs> well, I was just thinking of this article that I re- uh, read. This is ages ago. Come back years, um, and it was a uh, uh, they were doing a boat race, basically, or a row. You know, they, like an old time. You know, they used modern equipment. They were using one of these, uh, like something like Columbus or somebody would have had done. And they got stuck in this kind of vortex, so they couldn't get out of out of it. Because um, they couldn't get the right angle, so just as they could get to the edge of it, it kind of pulled them back in. So we're kind of stuck. Uh, the ship was stuck in in this little vortex that they could hardly get out of until they figured out the right angle to slingshot out of it. But it was quite a good metaphor for how we can get into our comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do your stuff in your comfort zone because you know if I do X, I'm going to get Y. Um, and we like to can have that kind of control. So we're in our comfort zone. I know what I'm going to kind of get. Um, and, you know, if I go outside the comfort zone, then it becomes the unknown. And I don't know what I'm going to get. And I can't control And that causes me, me anxiety and all sorts of other things. And so we stay in, in our little bubble. Um, and I'd like to explore on the podcast today how... How do you get out of this rut? Well, I think before we get stuck into how do you get out of the rut, I think we need to to explore where actually um, kind of ruts or routines, systems, processes, um, you know, taking the same journey to work. I think we need to explore when that is useful and how that can actually give you a support structure or power. Because that's the key thing is it's understanding when something supports you or when something keeps you stuck. And it can be one thing kind of one minute, as it were, and then it's another thing the next. So I think, I they, think, that, I think they develop out of the, the reason we do them is because they are supportive. They help us. Mm, absolutely. Imagine absolutely. if you have to rethink everything every single day, you would never get anything done. So you absolutely need them. It's when you become and you stop being aware of the systems you put into place and you start doing things just rote out of habit because that's how you do them because that's the system you develop. Um, so 100% agree. Uh, you, you, we would not be able to exist if we didn't have them. It's how do you, to steal a phrase from, well, I don't know if you still use this in your business, how do you take back control of your life, actually, from your own routines and habits that you've gotten and you put it in place to support you in being more efficient, being more productive, um, and the lot. So 100% agree that they, you need them. But how, mm-hmm. do you, how, do you, how do you use them and not let them use you and you forgetting that you are a conscious human being who can make decisions, who can do things, and you're not just acting like this conscious robot that's been programmed um, to do. I mean, when you get dressed, mostly probably everybody, if you wear pants, 
trousers, uh, sorry, in the UK. You probably put the same leg in the trouser every day. You probably put the same thing leg in. And there's no reason for that. You got two legs. <laughs> Both legs work. Um, but you just, And that's, that's how these things happen. It just becomes something you don't even think about anymore. You just, you know, I just stick my foot in that way without even thinking in it, about it anymore. So how do we wake up? Well, great question. I think we just like Jim Carrey in Groundhog Day, we start to become aware. We start to become aware of what we're currently doing. We start to become aware of how we're currently behaving. Uh, we might even be uh, lucky enough, and I say lucky enough, to become aware of how we're thinking and how that keeps us um how that keeps us stuck because of course actually we need to understand what mindset we have what thoughts are running um, that are essentially fueling the behavior so in terms of of your leg in pants that is quite funny because you're right because as soon as you said pants I immediately thought pants as opposed to trousers Um, and that made me think well yeah I think probably most people each day and this almost is quite an interesting question, but I think most people each day put their pants on first, you know, and if you don't put your pants on, why not? And if you don't put your pants on first normally, try putting them on first and see how that makes you feel differently. Similarly, if you're putting your leg in your trousers, try using the other leg, because actually there's probably a whole load of information that's gone on in the mind and the body as to why you put that first leg in. You know, it might be your stronger leg. It might be your weaker leg. I have no idea. I'm just kind of almost quite curious as to see. Years ago, like 20 odd years ago, I worked for a, uh, I was going to say a telecommunications company. I think they might, no, it was an engineering company. There you go. Um, massive, massive company called Nortel Networks. They're a Canadian company. And over here, they were based in Maidenhead. And I was part of the kind of the resourcing team. And we sort of sat together with the learning and development team, which of course was really my, my bent, as it were. And there was this guy who was really interested in exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about. And he did us a presentation one day. And just like you said, you know, I bet you all go the same route to work and you might have one backup. But basically, you know the route, you know how long it's going to take you. You get in the car, you shut the door. You know, we all do the put the keys in and check the mirrors and so on and so forth, because, of course, we've all gone through the same driving test um, and you follow that route to work. But then he made it actually super simple. And he said, think about it. When you go to the toilet at work, you know, there might be three or five kind of cubicles. And obviously, this is kind of easier, I suppose, for women. So it'd be urinals for men. But most of us tend to go to the same toilet. So, you know, I might have a preference for the middle one. You might have a preference for the one on the left. Somebody else has a preference for the one on the right. But people tend to go to the same one again and again. And he said, just try, just try going to a different toilet and just be aware of how you feel, how you react, what you notice. You know, actually, do you open the door with a different hand? Just little things and big things. And that was kind of, uh, for a lot of people, the very first step on realizing that they were just repeating the same thing again and again and again. It's a habit, isn't it? It's a habit of belief, habit of thinking, habit of perceiving, 
Um, in uh, the book, The Craft of the Warrior, uh, Spencer, he talks about these, um, and he calls them power sinks. And part of the training of waking up is to reclaim your power back, not power over others, but power over self. So these power sinks, um, you've got so much tied up into them um, that you have to undo them again to become conscious of self and to be present and to be kind of aware. Um, so I think that's how these rut thing kind of starts because we're just acting out of habit. We come home, we probably eat the same sort of meals for that week. You know, you're, you're doing the same routine day in and day out. You've got a family, and I know that routines are useful for kids. Um, well, keeps the adults sane as well, um, but it is still a routine, and you have the same routine, and you do it, and you do that year in and year out, um, that s- suddenly life loses its luster, its routine. Mm. And it's very functional and it's very efficient and you're, you know, you're doing your thing, you're, but it, it is just function. We lose the mystery of life. Uh, we lose, uh, you know, that curiosity or, or, or to try something a little bit um, sort of different and out there. Relationships happen that way as, as well. If you think about, you know, when you met your husband, before you guys, you know, when you started dating and the effort and the excitement and, you know, all, all of that stuff that comes with meeting someone um, and then seeing that there might be some potential here to go further and, you know, yeah, and yeah, all of that. And then you get married and you move in together. Now I don't have to make as much of an effort anymore because I'll see you, but, and I got to cook and I got to do this and I got to do these other chores. And so, you know, you you know, yeah, you just we just get out of you know where once you may have you know got you know dressed up to go and see them. Um, now it's like yeah, okay, you're just wearing whatever rags <laughs> you wear around the house because you're at home and you want to be comfortable. Um, and so you know you just get into a rut because no longer do you make that kind of effort. Um, now you just kind of get into a habit of doing things. And I know there's, you know, when people want to do the whole relationship thing, you know, you start planning things out. But if you think about it, you know, what does that say to the state of things where you have to start planning these things out, that you have to start, whereas in the beginning of your life, you didn't do that. So it's almost becomes an artificial thing that you kind of create that becomes its own routine. So the spontaneity is gone. So you put it on a calendar, you know, when you're going to go out and go on a date and you know, have sex or whatever. Um, but then that just becomes just like every other thing in your life. There's another task that I'll put on a calendar and we'll do. So it's like we lose that spontaneity um, that we once have. So you go into a, a rut there. You get into a career rut in the same kind of way if you're not still advancing. And, you you know, you figured out the best way to do a thing uh, or process or, or what have you, and you could do it in your sleep. But unless you're innovating, unless you have that same questioning curiosity, then it just becomes the same thing and it loses. But the excitement of it is gone. The adventure of it is gone. Um, and you just you keep making that rut deeper and deeper. Mm. Um, well, I, th- I think that's the same with so many things. So whether it's it's habits in terms of 
behavior on a day-to-day basis. But if you think about the personal development route, you know, a lot of the work that we do with our clients is helping them make changes. And it will obviously depend on the change. But in the beginning, sometimes it is about saying to them, right, you need to schedule this in. Uh, and it, it all depends on, you know, kind of what we're talking about. So they actually, they might need to schedule in meditation or they might need to schedule in going for a run. And you kind of do it enough. And the, the idea is to then ascertain when you've done it enough so that you don't have to schedule it in because you just know you're going to do it and you do it. Or when you go, actually, this essentially this power sink, this thing that's, you know, was giving me energy is now draining my energy. So instead of it being a power sink, it's become a power drain. I think uh, which, Tony Robbins would dispute that a tiny bit. Would as, he? Yeah, well, as he talks about massive pain, you won't do anything until you feel enough pain to move about it. And when you feel that pain, you don't have to schedule anything in. You don't have to write a goal down. You do it. And if you really reflect on your life when you made a significant change, you probably did it in an instant. Things got so painful enough that you you took the action. So but in I, terms of big things, then yes, absolutely. Well, no, big but, things, little things, doesn't matter. Mm, yeah. it, I, I, th- I think there's, it does. You know, if people have, you know, want to change their eating habits, uh, it doesn't necessarily happen over the night if your circumstances remain the same yeah people no no okay need to yeah. change their spending I'll, habits I'll, 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 I'll retract on that they won't take action towards wanting to make an eating habit change until mm. the pain of being overweight gets in the way and then they'll put a serious effort into changing if they're not quite bought into the fact of changing they'll go through the routines and they'll do the thing and then they'll get blown off course and then go back into whatever sort of thing that because they haven't really sussed the thing that's really keeping them stuck in that um just think about any habit or pattern that you find yourself repeating again it's only until you and, and i do this often with people i'm coaching i can tell when someone they're they're very logical you know we all rational and you'll have good excuses for all the things that you do um, and I, but I can tell when they're not going to change. And I'll just say, keep doing, for me, the solution is just keep doing what you're doing. Come back to me when you actually are ready to change. Because it's a whole yeah. different process and it becomes, a, when, they're, when they are ready, um, then they will make the change. Until that time, you'll be dick dancing around, smoke screens, did you with, just say dick dancing? Yeah, that's well, that's what it is. That's what it becomes. That's why I always, when I get to that point, when I realize actually this person is talking about change and they would like to change and, you know, we'll agree actions and everything's all logical and planned. Um, and yet they haven't made any progress or motion or they've got all these excuses and stories and everything. Then I know that, all right, we're just going to be spinning our wheels for quite a long time. Um, and so they're not ready to change yet. And that, and for me, and I always do say, and that's okay, because it's doing something for you. Um, and whatever you're getting out of it is the thing that's keeping you continuing to do that thing. So when you are, as Tony Robbins would say, to the point where the pain is too great, 
where you just have to make the change. You don't even have a choice anymore. You've got to change. Then we can do some work. Otherwise, yeah. you just try to press that out for forever. Um, and you have good conversations and everybody's all pumped up and, and, and excited and happy, and, um, but no real change is happening. Mm. So I, I broadly agree with you, mm. and I and I broadly don't at the same time. Um, I, I do think, and, and way before I was conscious of the field of personal development, so probably I must have been in my teens, um, you know, I became very aware that I had to hit kind of rock bottom on something, and then at that point I would make changes. So absolutely, I can totally agree with what you're saying from that perspective. Um, however, kind of the can I say it doesn't have to be rock bottom? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it can be that that positive. Was yeah, because as po- as in, as in doesn't have to be a negative thing. Am well, I, if pain, yeah. if you go back to Tony Robbins and he talks yeah. about pain, that sounds pretty negative. Well, that's just human motivation, pain and pleasure. Well, so I yes, but yeah. No. So I get that. Yeah. So uh, that so I, I and and that's the point is at what point is your tipping point? Mm. Um, and once I'd become aware of, well, it seems like I always have to hit rock bottom. I spent many years assuming that that's indeed what I had to do was to hit rock bottom before I'd make a change, and then I realised that I could make changes differently. But the, I would suggest that there. And this is something that I see a lot with my clients and therefore see a lot with myself as well, is you may want to change, you may decide to change, but you're not quite sure how to. And that could be because what you've been doing, you've been doing for so long. Uh, It could be because it's all subconscious. So you learned it before you were even kind of aware that you had your own mind. Um, it could be that you've just simply never been exposed to a different way. So, um, and and I was similar to you in so much as if I was working with a client and they really, if they weren't making the change, or sorry, before I would take them on as a client, if they weren't going to make the change, as it were, then I was kind of like, well, you know, this isn't the right time for you. What I have realised now is that there is, a stage where people want to make the change but actually need kind of less of coaching and more of um I don't know maybe a showing or a mentoring of the way so I've been working um with a lady who is let me think she must be mid no early 40s she's early 40s and there's a lot of changes that she wants to make what's holding her back is she slips into her old mindset and doesn't realise it. Um, But also, a lot of the things she's just never had, and I'm going to use the term education, um, but she just hasn't had the education to understand just how to, for example, manage her money, to be responsible for her money. And once she gets shown you could do this, you could do that. I often recommend um, Martin's, Martin Lewis's The Money Saving Expert. He is brilliant at financial education. Um, And he's got a load of free resources and links to things with the Open University, uh, which are available. They're great for teens, but they're great for anybody at any age who wants to sharpen up their skills with their finances. And once she is shown that, or shown where she can go to get that, 
then those changes are made because she's got the key, if you like, that unlocks that new habit, that new behavior and gives her the result that she's looking for. And that was the, and the, that helps that, move her forward. I think that's the classification her. though, isn't it? So there's uh, um, um, in the sort of coaching world, you know, there's people who are want to change and they just go and make the change. I, I don't need a coach because I just go and I go do my thing. There are those who would like to change but aren't ready to change, and hence they're happy to continue talking about their problems. They're happy to give you all the backstory. They're happy to keep the process drawn out, but they're not actually ready to take any action. Um, they want to keep looking backwards. And then you've got those who are ready to change, willing to change, mindsets there, um, but I just don't know how. And so what I'm seeking is a how. I already got okay. my why. I already know what I want to change. Um, I just, you know, might not be, you know, I might not know this model. I might not know this book or I might not know this thing and hence why I'm here. But they are ready to change. And so they're coming to you with a ready to change. So they're in action mode. Um, and part of the skill is sussing out which of the three um, mm. a person kind of is but it, back to this sort of rut thing mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we get into a life rut like that and you know i don't know just i'm sure you know and and i, I guess i'll say this is you can be in a rut in different parts of your life you might have some bits that are cooking along how you want it but mm -hmm. maybe be in a rut in other areas uh, so yeah so for instance yeah maybe your career is flying high you, you know you're jamming um, but you've been neglecting your physical self and you just kind of got into a, a rut of, of, of not putting in the right kind of exercise, just kind of going to the gym because I have to go to the gym, but just, you know, going through the motions. Um, mm. And yeah, and so, yeah, so you can be in perhaps a rut, not in just a, I know we we're saying a life rut, like my whole life is in the rut and some people are there. Some people are in a place where, I'm not motivated. Uh, I'll sit on the couch and eat jelly babies and drink beer and watch TV because I have no motivation to do anything. Um, and they literally are just kind of drifting through life. They get up. They're like zombies. They're just mm. walking through life. They don't have a, a drive or a purpose or a spark or a fire to, um, you know, like live the life that they kind of exactly. have now and they're kind of in that rut um so it's like yeah so how do you get out of out of that now i think mm. there's probably several you know suggestions for ways of getting out of a rut when you want to know those kinds of crazy ruts and one of the first ones is what we've been talking about so far if i was to put a title on it would be self-awareness which is what we kind of just mm. been talking about so yeah one, you know being self-aware but doing working on this sort of self-awareness and realizing where you're at and acknowledge the fact that i am in a rut almost like the aa thing when you're addicted to something you got to acknowledge that there actually is a problem until you get to that stage you'll you know again you stay in the um in the sort of in, in the yeah well you'll stay in in the rut um so yeah, so I, I mean that's one practical step I think. Um, mm. I think another thing that's helped me whenever I've been in a rut is um, it's reconnecting with the things that 
brought me pure joy. Yeah, that I did it just for the joy of it. I wasn't trying to make money out of it. I wasn't trying to get any advance. I wasn't trying to get anything out of it. I just, it was just out of pure joy. Because that pure joy just made life more vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can take that memory, jog down memory lane, and just remember the things that brought you pure joy and maybe get back into some of those and doing it for just the joy of it as in don't put any expectation on it don't make it that i've got to do this or i want to get some yeah just literally just do it for the pure joy because what that does Mm. then i mean again it just awakens you back up to 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 life to the you know the mystery of life itself it's just uh, this is just pure joy um and you know if you can reclaim some of those moments that could be um the spark that kind of gets you back out of of that rut um i don't, i think we mentioned the american beauty last time on the show mm. um but it, that's a great movie to watch if you want to see the transformation from being in a a rut to taking back control of one's life and learning to actually enjoy life again. Like, you know, there was a time in our life, and maybe not for everybody, but I'm assuming there must have been some point in your life where, you know, you had no worries, you know, you just purely enjoyed waking up, getting up, excited about life itself, just getting out, playing, whatever. And, you know, I can think of, times in my you know like when i was at the height of my powers i would say <laughs> um and yes yeah, like oh what was it about those times that made it that what was it um that that did that and can i reconnect with that to loosen up world is full of possibilities mm. So, yeah, I, I agree. And actually, interesting when you're saying about reconnecting with the things that generate pure joy for you. Um, I think a lot depends on kind of where people are at when they realise that something's going on here. And one of the acronyms that I often use with my clients is the ALL acronym, and it's double A, double L. Um, and essentially, it's it's just very, very simple. And that first day is to is is that awareness it's that acknowledgement um so actually there's almost two a's in the first day but it's an acknowledgement that something isn't right here so i guess actually go back to groundhog day when jim carrey begins to be aware that something's you know yeah so um oh is it bill murray yeah bill murray I do apologise to both Bill Murray and Jim Carrey because in my head it was Jim Carrey, which shows how, I would say how long ago, but that also says a lot. So anyhow, um, so that that was the first thing is, is that awareness, that acknowledgement. Actually, something's not quite right here. The second A actually stands for acceptance and it's the acceptance of your own role within that. So that might be because you have consciously taken a role or be behaved in a different way or it might be because you are behaving in a way that is now outdated and it's understanding what am I doing that creates this issue whatever that issue may be 
Um, and then the first L is, okay, so what can I learn from this? And that's a, a learning in so much as kind of that objective look at what's going on and kind of the, the, the mental learning or awareness at that stage. Or it might be actually the trying different things to, to get out of that issue, awareness, problem, whatever it is, um, and trying different things and learning by doing, which is always very important too. And then once you've kind of gone through that cycle, you get to your second L, which is then you can let go of the rut or the behavior that was keeping you stuck. Um, and that all thing is super simple, but actually has really helped a lot of people just take that step back to reflect and review um, and see what's going on. Sure. When you were talking, go, go on, ahead. sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. When I was talking about... You were talking about connecting with the things that generate pure joy and actually that also made me think see another great thing if people can do this is to give themselves a, a space of time or a portion of time whether it's an hour whether it's um, a week whether it's a day it doesn't really matter and to simply to, to wake up in the morning to check in with themselves how am I feeling and then to only act on what they're feeling and what they notice they're thinking for the day. So if they wake up and think, okay, it's breakfast time now, then to question, okay, well, is it breakfast time because I always have my breakfast as soon as I get up or as soon as I wake up? Or is it breakfast time because, oh, no, my tummy's rumbling and actually I want something to eat? Okay. And then from there, well, what is it that I want to eat? What do I fancy today? Is it fruit? Is it cereal is it toast oh do you know what I'm not actually hungry I want to go for a run or mm, my body's feeling a bit itchy what what does that mean you know is it itchy in that I've got some dry skin I need some moisturizer or is it itchy in the fact that actually I've got a bit more energy here than sitting at my desk is going to do I'm going to just throw myself out the door and go for a walk and if people can experiment with that that starts to really free the mind from these routines these habits these behaviors well that's cool um so i'll throw this one out at you because this is what i personally experienced <laughs> and lived not too long ago was what do you do when you've done like everything hmm. and now you're just bored with life because so, like i've climbed mountains i've jumped out of planes i've blown things up um, done the business thing, have the wife, got the kids, got the cars, <laughs> um, you know, and he, and he, like, you know, I was saying in a, a little audio I did earlier today, you know, even if, you know, I love climbing mountains, but you know what, in, at the end of the day, a mountain is a mountain. You got to go from the bottom to the top. Um, and so I had this period in time where it's like, well, okay, well, I've, you know, I've, I've been there, done that. This might be a version of it, but when you, when you mm -hmm. look at the blocks of it, it's the same thing. It's just a different mm -hmm. version of the same thing. What do you do then? Do you just die? Is it time to die? Well, I, that is a great question. Well, because some of my favorite people that I admire, they're all off themselves. So I do have that as a as one of my tickets of things that I might. That's the last great ex adventure, isn't it? Death is like all right. Let's uh, let's go on to the next adventure. Mm. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. that's brilliant. I think we should explore that in, in more detail. Um, and I'm just making a note. 
is the last great adventure, death. Um, But I I think, and this is really interesting because I'm not entirely sure you and I have spoken about this, but I've also relatively recently gone through this. You know, what do you do when you've done everything? Um, And essentially, it's a feeling of boredom. And actually, in a way, that is what prompted us to start the podcast in the first place because I was just... (laughs) <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so, so exactly. So originally, it, obviously, it came from me. Um, and it was, it was that I was bored. I was bored with the conversations that I was having with my friends, you know, as much as I love my friends and my friends love me. Like, yeah, now they're all going to say, we're going <laughs> to Okay, friends, I see how that is. Yeah. Oh, I think, I mean, future, my friends have been, fe- yeah, fe- most, the feelings mutual. friends for a reason friends for a season friends for a lifetime mine you know these are lifetime friends who know me well enough to know that I go through these kind of phases um and I would sort of pod and poke and um sorry prod and poke and try and generate more interesting conversations and by that I meant interesting to me really uh because when they would start talking maybe about things that they're really into like engineering stuff I noticed I couldn't stay I couldn't stay connected. I couldn't stay interested because for me, there was kind of like no point to it. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. So I started to play with this. Um, And then that's where we came up originally with the idea of the Wisdom Experience podcast. It was about let's have a stimulating conversation, one that makes our gray cells feel like they're actually working. Um, And one that you know, we explore through a conversation because, of course, both you and I do believe that dialogue can help us progress and move forward. Uh, How Um, about for my end, though? Because I've been through this path that we're on Mm. in terms of the podcast. So so from your end, it was something new, something different, a way to have this. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, so it was new for me. And for me, it was like, all right, here's, for me, it was just repeating the same pattern. And if you remember back to our discussion, it was like, do you really want to do this? One, because I know what's coming, as in there's a lot of work to make a podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes after it. you know. So is this something that you're just experimenting with to see if you like it? And then so for me, it's just been, you know, I don't want to invest a lot of, like I know where I want to get to with podcasting and what I would like to create into the world. And I was searching for someone who has that same drive and interest and want to do that and want to, you know, make this great thing. And so my caution in the beginning was, you know, are you the person that wants to do that? Or is it like you just said, you were bored, want to have a great conversation, start doing it. Then after X amount of episodes, you've seen it, done it, been there, time to go and move on and do something else. So that's Mm -hmm. been my hesitation for probably the last sort of 15 episodes is like, you know, is this really the person that wants to, you know, create a dynamic and successful, huge podcast that changes the world type thing? Or for me, it was a repeat pattern because this is, this will be probably my fourth collaborative podcast. And I was always the, excited to take it somewhere Mm-hmm. And then I went to, you know, a journey, then the first podcast and, you know, then that was with a, a dude and, you know, he'd gone off and done some other thing. Second one, you know, we did hundred and, well, no, you were actually the second one, weren't you? So you were my second podcast. Remember, we've been on this ground before. We had that well-being that, one. 
Yeah, well, that was a a short-term thing, wasn't it, because of my circumstances. For for yours. So, again, that was the second one. Then I found another part there. We did 100 and some odd episodes, but eventually they learned whatever they needed to learn and went off and started their own thing. Uh, Fifth, you're my fifth collaborative effort. And so, for me, it was a pattern. So, is this the fifth time that I'm going through this? (laughs) And am I going to end up in the same space as all the others so and, what have you learned from well, all of those like so to, that we yeah, can make this work well well that i need that second person who's actually wants to make a podcast that has that kind of impact and is willing to do what it takes to make that happen um and can make it past the fact that you know in the beginning there's not a lot of listeners in the beginning there's a lot of work and you're not getting paid for it um and at some points in time, if they got a busy life or, or they actually had some other thing that they wanted to do, and then they'll look at it and say, well, actually, I got lots of things to do, and and that's nice to do, but, you know, I could buy back a whole hour. You know, we put a lot of time into this, if you think about it. We've mm. been, yeah, 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 we do. Yeah, we yeah, do. We the research, and then, you know, an hour or so, and then promoting him, it on social then, media. Well, there's the editing, then there's the social media. It's all that sort of stuff that goes on in mm. the background. So, you know, it was kind of, that's kind of, you know, where I, where I was at. And I was like, uh So. So let me put you on the spot a little. Yeah. Have you done any personal reflection? Or rather, let me rephrase that. What personal reflection have you done about this? Is it? you know, something to do with the partners that you're choosing or is it to do with the way you're laying it out? Um, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, it's probably being certain that the person who's wanting, that they really want to do it. So you'll know from our conversations that I keep pushing to see if they really want to do this thing. And I'm probably pushing you a little bit harder because it is the fifth time I've been through it. And it's like, I would like to know now if you're interested um, so that I don't spend the time into getting you up to speed to where we need to go or we can rock or should we bail? So then I can either, and for me, maybe just go solo. Um, although, you know, I, I prefer, I like the sort of, um, collaborative piece so yeah so my my reflection is um is exactly that and you know there's probably only been one other person who was as sort of crazy and sane with this as i was but then a whole other thing happened in their lives and um it was different reasons that they had to go but for the time that we were doing our thing together it was just absolute absolute madness and i guess i've been trying to find that again um in that sort of sense. So, yeah, so that, you know, see, I have reflected on it. Um, and you're probably, you know, rightly or wrongly brand the brunt of the fact that I'm poking you a little harder because I'm like, <laughs> well, well, it's like in the movies, that platoon, it's like, you know, if you're going to go out, it's best to go out in the end. So for me, it's like, all right, well, if this isn't going to go anywhere because, you know, you're going to get bored and you're going to go off and do something else, um, then let's just get that out of the way now. So that I know, so that I don't invest the time and energy um, again. So hopefully, this is, is back. This almost brings us kind of easily back to the beginning of where we started when I was talking about Duffer's Drift. This podcasting thing 
collaborating with another person is my duffer's drift. So it was a good question that you asked that. What have I reflected on to know? But this is my fifth time going through this space. Um, And yeah, so that's interesting. I'll have to think a a little bit more on what I learned from the other four. What I'm exactly, I know what I'm looking for in another person. Mm -hmm. Um, And then how come this, what have I learned of my iterations of my personal Duffer's drift. <laughs> nice, good. Yeah, I can't no, I wait it. to hear that. That's good. Yeah. And, um, and you, you're right. I mean, we, you know, off air, we've had a lot of uh, challenging conversations. I would say probably more challenging to me than than to you. But you're right because this is my first time of really committing to something like this. And, and when we did it before, I think we did a series of six because that fitted in with uh, with the school term, and then. I, I just I think other things did happen and, and I, I couldn't get back to it. Whereas now I can see that I'm in a place, my kids are older, um, you know, kind of, and I'm changing, which kind of comes back to your point of actually, what do you do when you feel like you've done everything and you, you're kind of bored? But so the conversation that we've been having is challenging to me and for me, because I'm very aware of some of the things that I don't feel capable of doing and obviously as as we've also talked about I'm kind of I'm trying to learn but one of the things that I've always had an issue with um, is essentially is marketing so how to kind of almost get I don't know on the other side of the fence and to be able to say you know this is what listening to this podcast will do for you or this is what working with me as a coach will do for you this is what going on this course will do for you and and I'm I'm still finding that quite challenging See, because I, was, I, I, I always thought that happened through for me it's always been why well, don't to tell you let me show you through my actions um what you're going to get from so, like this build it and they will benefit. come kind of thing <coughs> build it that they will come my actions you know what are my in the actions that I do, so if I tell you that's one thing, um, and then I've got to use le- language cleverly and all this sort of stuff to kind of persuade you, um, versus let me show you, and then if you want to come and be on part of the game, then you'll come and be in part of the game. If not, okay. Then, so, then, for oh. example, come onto a webinar. People will go onto the webinar. You'll take them through something that's kind of like an introduction to a course you're about to run. That kind of thing. Is that what you mean? Um, no, probably. I mean, that would be part of it. That would be a strategy. I think it's more like that when I, and in fact, I've just finished doing a very coaching session on this with a guy, that it <laughs> has to, the thing that you want to do, it should it ooze out of your pores. That Everybody knows what you're about because you're, the way you present yourself to the world, the way you put yourself out there, the, your, um, the thing that you are about you know, it's it'd be hard for anyone not to know what you are about and that you're passionate about that thing and that it just like um and they you know, yeah. So it's more about your you know, at, you know, if we think about I was just gonna say action and character, um and it's that it's action and character. Your actions reveal your character. 
and we're attracted to people who's you know who displays you know the right sort of character and you know we think yeah i can i can be with this person i can work with this person because i have this certain you know characteristic these things about them um so yeah so yeah yeah it's 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 that it's that action character piece and I, and I get it from a business point of view there's all sorts of different things and different tactics and techniques you could use and you know there's sales led approach a marketing led approach um I think in a world of sort of social media and this electronic digital stuff um you know the 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 key to it is the authenticity about who you are and being doing your thing in your mm-hmm. way. Um, and that attracts, you know, the people who are interested in that. Like you sent a, a thing through today about, um, you know, feedback on the podcast, make it 35 minutes, 40 minutes, that kind of thing. And that'll appeal to people who like short podcasts. Uh, it won't appeal to the person who likes long meandering podcast so Mm. it's almost as a person you have to and which is great and this is comes back full circle to the podcast saying about right it's about really knowing you know who you are and what makes you tick um in the sense that you have the real courage to be your most authentic self and then Mm. that is a thing that you're building your platform on and in that way you don't have to try hard because you're just being you. But know that being you won't appeal to everyone. It's when you're trying to appeal to everyone um, or you're trying to make people come versus to attract people that I think it becomes a little bit harder of a deal if you're trying to do this kind of thing in this kind of way, I think. So, yeah. I think you're right. In in terms of the the length of it, that was... Uh, a response and that the feedback that was given to us was really about if we're you know trying to appeal to people who are on a commute and and this is one of the other yeah. things and i can say that's a standard line though isn't it? that's a standard marketing line so if you read any marketers on podcasts the whole generic line is make it 30 to 40 minutes because that's the average length of uh, a commuter so that's just well yeah, yeah exactly and of course the, the thing is when when we first put this together or when you first agreed we shouldn't probably to go too f- go so go too far down this track because we we are talking about being in a rut unless you're saying that the podcast is already in a rut and we're trying to figure out how, yeah. well how exactly to get, how to get and, out and, of the rut <laughs> so actually that's a very good point so you, you're right you know we we both got to kind of this stage and gone hmm we feel like we're in a rut something needs to change no so one no of the th- no we don't throw me in this thing with you <laughs> <laughs> don't throw me in the bucket with you. I don't want to be, it wasn't a we. Okay, so <laughs> given that we're co-hosts, that's kind of curious. Yeah. So would you be happy if we continued doing the podcast in the way we've been doing it for the last 15 episodes? Would I be happy? Well, it's more would you be happy. I'm, you know, the, my whole thing here is trying to find a thing that'll, that will release you to be able to, be happy to commit and be in the game and you won't get bored. So I've been trying to be the chameleon <laughs> to make a podcast. Okay. So because if you know, I think I said, that's causing us some issues then. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to interrupt yeah, because yeah, go for it. Yeah, go by for it. being the chameleon, that's never going to um, 
help me move or make any decisions. And the reason for that is because I'm all about responding to what is essentially what is in front of me or the the person that's in front of me and the need that they have. And I think that anybody who's known me for any length of time would definitely see that and would absolutely say that's authentic so I can respond to what I see if you're a chameleon you're always therefore then shifting which means that I have no handle I have no stick in the sand is that if, um, is chameleon the wrong thing I guess what I've been trying to do is whatever you tell me that you need or want then I'm like fine let's go that way so I've been trying to make it as easy for yeah, you no, to go no I, d- I don't need that yeah. that actually isn't helpful for me at all yeah. i like to know what your but I've always, mind is i do tell you all of my mind yeah i know <laughs> i tell you well, everything you <laughs> mostly it, yes until mostly you know, yeah i tell um, you that and then it's like okay well which one do you want to do and it's like anyway we're going to go too far okay okay on that so thing. however so the point is though yeah. when we realize that we're in a rut and yeah all right when i realize that i'm in a rut with the podcast and i'm not happy with it does that make you feel That's better much better i've taken that responsibility mm. then for me one of the key things is to then look back and go okay so Why did we start this? What was it about when we started it? And my original intention was that, and and of course we were deciding this kind of, uh, it was sort of around the period when lockdown was, Mm. hadn't quite happened, but then it did happen. And actually, do you know what? And in saying that, I've just realized that I've just replayed something else that happened about 20 years ago. So this must be a recurring theme in my life. But, you know, I wanted to create something that allowed people to feel stimulated, to reconnect with themselves through a a motivational conversation, which at the end of it, they may choose to go away and take some action, or they may not. But the point is, it was probably something that they would listen to on the way home from work or in the evening. They'd have had a challenging day at work, whether they were doing something that they loved or they didn't love. They didn't have much energy left in the evening to do something kind of active. And this was, I wanted and to create the podcast for that. Every podcast listener out there, in a sense. I've just done what? You just Sorry. described what the thing about pod, for every, the reason podcasts are as popular as they are becoming, in life, i.e. it's a, it's an activity you can do while doing other things. So well, that's perfect then. Yeah. So I but, obviously, I'm in the right field, well, which yeah. is a great start. Hmm. However, of course, we put this together and, and we wanted to go the philosophical, philosophical, the ph- philo- philosophical route, partly because both of us but, no, are kind of practical philosophies. You, philosophers. You, you wanted to have interesting conversations. Come on, call it out. Exactly. And I wanted it, yeah. to have an interesting, stimulating conversation. You so, you know, it felt that was good, something that was interesting. Um, but of course, then what happened was lockdown happened. So nobody was commuting. And I think a lot of people who would generally have been listening to this were actually so worn out. But they're still with, bicycling. They're still sitting around. They're still walking. They're still doing other things. No, you see, but a lot of people weren't. A lot of people were suddenly stuck at home with children of all ages um, and not able to get out and about. A lot of people were caring for their parents or for people who needed a, a, a more 
the kind of professional caring side. And now, for I those think that, are that interested, people, and I'm going to say I won't go through it, but I can give you a link to uh, one of the episodes I recently listened to that has statistics to this, as in what happened to the podcasting industry during lockdown. And it's a little bit of both, uh, but not uh, and quite. I would, yeah. But I would say that because we were so brand new and we were finding our feet, um, that we, you know, the traction didn't necessarily ever get going the way we wanted it to. Um, so so that that was kind of, that's me looking back and reflecting. And I, and I share that, not, I mean, I, I hope it's of interest to you listening. Um, <laughs> they might, but might also, be, they're going to be like, what the hell are you guys talking about? You've only done well, 15 yeah. episodes. It's not like we're on episode number 200. Then I get it. But we're only on 15, which is quite normal, right? You're, if you think, in fact, one of the statistics I listened to last night on the podcast I was listening to, most podcasts fail after seven episodes. They just stop doing. So we've at least passed that hump. Yay! Um, which most is of brilliant. The, I mean, most of, if you go onto Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, and most of the podcasts are good, like 56 or 57%, I think they said, you know, they only have like, one or two or three episodes in it because people try it out um they actually see what's all involved in the podcasting and, and then they move on to other things so you know we at least made it over that kind of hump mm-hmm, but we're mm-hmm. still only 15 episodes in i think one of the things and one of the things on my list about getting out of a rut to bring this back to the, yeah, rut yeah, to conversation, the um, is to uh make a decision like make a true decision. Uh, and if if the rut that we're in is that never making a true decision um, in this, and and but one of these things, I think for getting out of rut is you have to make that true decision. What I would call a no plan B, um, to tell the war story, um, and you, there's a, a Roman example, okay, but I'll give you one for the, the American Civil War because it's more recent, but General Grant, in the South, needed to win the South. Um, all the generals before him had trouble with the sort of Confederate army. At Vicksburg, uh, General Grant decided that he was going to cut his lines of supply. And anybody into military strategy said, no, if you cut your line of supply, that means you're not getting any more bullets, no more food, no more nothing when you cut your line of supply. So these are hugely important for army survival. Um, but it also makes you vulnerable because you got this long supply chain that the enemy can attack. So he cut his, and essentially the message was, we're either going to take Vicksburg or we're all going to die. There was no plan B. There's no way to retreat. There's no food coming. There ain't nothing happening. And so they had, the soldiers had to perform. This was it. This was, we either win or we all die. That's called a no plan B. Um, and there's other examples of that that I could pull out. So that's what is a true decision that there, you know, you don't have a, there is no plan B. Because um, mm. the thing is, if you give yourself a plan B, then you don't work as hard because you know there's always another option. One of the things when we were learning to, uh, you know, again, as an infantry officer in an attack, if you're attacking an enemy in a defensive position, you never surround them. If you surround them, then they will fight to the death because they got no choice. Mm. If you leave and let them, you know, know that there's an escape route out, so that means I can either fight and die, potentially, or there's a way to escape out of here. They won't fight as hard. And so this idea of making a true decision and no plan B 
means, you know what? There is no other option thingy. So I've got to make this work. General Hannibal, and I'm sorry about using all these military ones, but that's no, my background. No, actually, I think it's great. And, and <laughs> I, I hope it's of interest to other people because this is a stimulating conversation yeah. to me. I love it. <laughs> General Hannibal would is going to the Alps to attack Rome. Um, it was like, you know, there's no, how are we going to get these big elephants through, you know, the Alps and do it? But he said, we'll either find a way or we'll make one. And this true decision, no plan B, is when you make that true decision, when you're truly committed, there is no out. There's no op. You got, you're going to figure out a way to make it happen or die. Um, and it was the same thing more earlier when we were talking about change. When someone's at the point where they're actually ready to make a change, then, then there isn't. You, you don't have to have much of a conversation because they're committed. They're in. Mm-hmm. There is no mm-hmm. option to go back to backslide to make excuses. You know they are in, um, hundred you know percent in. And so when you get a person to the place where they make make a true decision, then change can happen, and and it happens relatively rapidly because you're not backsliding you're not doing all these other things you're you're in you're in the game <laughs> mm, um, absolutely so yeah so i think for us in in the podcast but was, we haven't made a true decision yet as in what kind of podcast we want to be what audience we want to be that you know if that kind of thing um so you know off not necessarily for this episode but that's a thing again something to figure out and make a true decision is to buy it and go um, and it doesn't matter the length, the format doesn't matter. The main thing out of that is what is it that you, as I think I sent you in a text, would you be happy to make a thousand episodes of this podcast? If you think, ah, now I'll be bored by the time I get to 20, um, then we're not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, <laughs> we've gone to the fight. <laughs> yeah, so for people thinking about how do I get myself out of a rut, yeah, so it's gets into that point where you make a, a true decision. And one of the exactly. things that I, I listen in, in as a talking point for um, getting out of a rut is do the opposite of what you normally do in yeah. terms yeah. of if you're currently just do, do, do run, run, run. I'm so busy. Then switch into thinking mode and say, okay, well actually I'm going to slow down and switch into think mode. If you're constantly in think mode as you're overthinking everything and you're just, you can't make because you're, you know, was it analysis paralysis by analysis? If you're in that mm-hmm, space, mm-hmm. then switch into do mode, just do, and then stuff will come from the fact that you are doing. So, um, I think I list in the show notes. I got a book in there, uh, Prometheus Rise and Robert Anton Wilson. Um, and in the very first chapter, he has a number of thought experiments to do, and they're all along that lines because he was a big proponent of this idea that, you know, that we, we are essentially robots. You've been programmed since you came out of your mother's wound. Um, cause she's been giving you the do the thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt do this to be, you know, your parents give you loads of rules, your teachers and society and everybody's been programming you since she was a baby. Um, and one of the things that Robert Anton Wilson and others along that ilk was now you are literally just doing things by rote. You don't even know why you believe what you believe anymore. If someone told you to believe it, it's there. That's because I... So one of the things that he challenges you in the very first chapter is to challenge your own beliefs. So one of the experiments is if you're a conservative, 
uh, from your sort of political persuasion, then for a week, be a liberal. Buy all the liberal press, read all the liberal stuff, literally be a liberal. Disavow all your conservative things. Um, and then actually it, be in that sort of space and feel what it means to be in that space. So mm-hmm. um, it's like go to a party, go to a party, one party, go to a party in a miserable, down, depressed mood and see what people's reaction and how people respond to you. Um, mm-hmm. well, we've go, talked yeah, a bit about that Go before, to another party, and, but be in a happy mood and see how people... So he was all about, you know, you know taking back control of... And the self-awareness, as we mentioned a bit earlier, being self-aware, waking back up, realize how programmed you are. And yes, I know it makes for a more efficient life, but it also makes for a very dull, zombie-like life as well. Um, and one of the challenges of Robert and Tom Wilson and other guys in that ilk um, is, to, and Charles Tart is another one who I haven't mentioned, is about waking up again, wake back up um, from this deep sleep, deep trance um, that we're in. And you mentioned about driving to work and doing the same route. And I know though anyone who drives and that's listening to this will know that they have had an experience where they've driven back from work and at home and they don't even remember the drive. Absolutely. Didn't have to pay attention because I've done this 10 billion times and and I can I'm basically sleepwalking. Um, and so the challenge is getting out of the rut is about waking back up um, to the mystery of life even, you know, just, mm-hmm. you know, be excited about, you know, the, you know, re-engage with everything that's around you um, so that you can find some mystery and excitement. In, and it doesn't have to be big. You don't have to go off on some big exotic adventure you don't have to you could just go in your own back garden and actually see if you can name every living organism in your back garden just explore that what kind of grass do you have what is that tree you know what are what that what's that bird what's that little flower there what did it you know so can you go and you know look at things with childlike eyes again i guess would be yeah, I like that. And, and actually, it's interesting, you've just suggested, you know, do you know the names of these things? Actually, you, that may not set anybody, you know, or may not set your interest to light, but go and touch the different things, you know, whatever it is that it is for you. If you've got an artist's eye, you may simply want to look at them and see how the blades of grass are different from one another and then how they change according to when you're looking at the, the leaves on the tree or the, the wood on the fence. Um or touch them and feel the different textures and find, you know, essentially whatever it is, it's finding something that sets you alive again. It makes you notice again. And you just reminded me Mm -hmm. of a book that I've read. It's called uh, Drawing the Seeing. So if you want to re-engage with your world, draw. And I know the first thing people say, oh, I can't draw. Doesn't but, matter. But right, it's not to draw as an artist, but exactly. it's to sit and you know go and draw a leaf because you have to see it, you have to look at it, you have to yeah you know yep. get back in touch with it. So draw it and don't don't matter. Um, and I sometimes because I can draw, um, I'll draw with my left hand, which gives me a whole another interesting nice. looking um, pattern out of it. But yeah, it's a, a Zen. I got a book called Zen Seeing. And one that's called uh, Drawing is Seeing. 
Um, and it's nice. just about learning how to engage with your world again um, on that end. So ruts, ruts, ruts. And it's easy mm. to get into these ruts. Um, relationship ruts, friendship ruts as well. You can have the same old friends. You guys do the same old things. Go to the same pub, drink the same beer. Uh, so some of this, I think, is about experimentation. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. if you're in a relationship, experimenting with women and men outside of your relationship will get you in trouble. Um, but, you know, f- maybe together find a way to experiment with things. Um, well, oh, what's that song? There's a song um, about liking pina colada yeah, yeah. and it. getting what in the rain. And it turns out, so they were both in a rut in the relationship. And I can't remember, but one of them put an ad in the local, you know, ads and then turned up at the bar and it turned out that it was each other, at which point, fantastic. They were all happy. And and that is, you know, and it's a beautiful story and it's a beautiful song. Um, And it's light, which is always really good, because sometimes I think when we realise we're stuck in ruts and particularly around midlife, um, I think we go down kind of like a bit down the rabbit hole and not in a good way. And it is, you're right, find the excitement, find a way to experiment in a way. And if you are talking about in a relationship, in a way that works for both of you, sometimes just opening that conversation, that dialogue is is what's important. Uh, I mentioned this show that I'm, my husband and I are watching at the moment called This Is Us on Amazon Prime. And I, I adore it. I absolutely adore it because it's gentle and it's easy but it it totally reflects what's going on in life and in the episode we watched from series one last night um there was a fireman and his wife and things had clearly not been good for them and why is revealed much later in the episode which is was and it was heartbreaking actually um when you actually stop and think about it but he was trying to find a way to mend their marriage and he'd he'd gone to church and he'd gone into confession and asked the priest for a miracle and then later that day a baby was left outside the fire station and in his mind this was his miracle being answered so he took the baby home and he said to his wife you know here we you know there is this baby who obviously needs looking after and his wife kind of went yeah you know that's that's just kind of crazy um you need to take it to the hospital kind of thing but when he came home later that night having obviously taken the baby to the hospital where it was looked after he came home and he'd obviously given up and there was a few key things that he didn't he said and it was like yeah he's, he's just given up he doesn't know what else to do to mend this relationship and his wife was sitting at the kitchen table and she said to him wouldn't it be great if we could just start over, do you ever think about that? And as viewers, we know that he'd been thinking about that because it was a very, if you like, almost a simple, simplistic storyline. But without him answering, she got up from the table and she basically reenacted the first couple of minutes when they met. Um, And it was clear because she held out her hand and she introduced herself and she said, you know, can we go for a cup of coffee? And, And at that point, you kind of like, oh my gosh, that's just so, like, it, it. my heart was warmed because... Was things, your husband's heart warmed? 
Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. he that sounds he very girly. <laughs> really, all he wanted, he'd yeah. given up because she'd given up, and he'd, he'd no, not him, your husband. Uh, like you're saying, oh. you're all touched and <laughs> Great warm. Question. And, yeah, was he? I don't know. I don't know. Do you know what? I don't think we particularly talked about it afterwards. I think he was just grateful because the episode before somebody had had a heart attack and I was sobbing my eyes out because mm. it triggered something in me. So I think he was just grateful I wasn't so sobbing listen, my eyes out. So listen, I have out. a theory about this. I think men and women, when they get married, they shouldn't live together. They should continue to have separate residences. You know, I there's part of me that would agree with that. And I think that would be a great idea for, for part of marriage. But for when you have children, I absolutely disagree. Um, and actually, I think my relationship is much healthier because we have lived together. But we also know when to give each other space and when to get out and do our own thing. And yeah. I suspect that's probably a whole other podcast. When I, so again, when I write my book on that. relationships, that's what I'm, I'm going to suggest. That's going to be one of my key tenets. Never move in. Keep two separate residences, regardless of whether you got children, and you'll be good. Yeah. Tell me, how long have you been married? I've been married for too long, 30 years yeah. or so. And how happy is your wife uh, in know. the marriage? You'd have to ask her that. How <laughs> exactly. Could I, how could and how happy are you in your marriage? I'm, so I'm, I'm playing good. and I didn't really no, want to no, that. I'm, I'm good. Um, <laughs> Even though you've lived together most of that time, yeah? <laughs> Well, the whole time we've been married since, I mean, I guess she was, and we got, and you know, if we think about it, uh, we're relatively young. I think she only would have been like 19. Um, I wow. Was so you've so. grown up together. Yeah. You see, that brings a whole different, right. You're absolutely right. We definitely need to do a, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a kind of an episode on that because that brings a whole different dynamic to a relationship yeah. when you've got together kind of in your, you know, your teens and early twenties, yeah. but right. So coming back to being in a, a rut and absolutely you've got to do something different. And that might be going back to the beginning and reflecting and kind of almost not retracing your steps, but being aware of the steps that you took so that you can decide whether you want to take those steps again or whether you want to do, you know, take different steps take different or do steps. the same steps, but differently. Um, so reflection is always a good thing, but it's reflection with the intention of taking action. And here's a, a good one, but it is only for the brave. <laughs> and one is a gentler version of that is reinvent yourself. Just, yeah. I mean, we're, we are characters anyway. You have lots of personas, so just reinvent yourself, which a lot of people do. And I do that periodically. I reinvent myself quite often. If you ask some of my long-term uh, people that I don't know in real life, but I know them online, I'm thinking of Kathy in particular. She would have seen how many times I've reinvented myself, um, but she's kind of stuck with me the whole way through this journey. And I've been on the internet since early 2000s. So I've been on the internet and blogging and stuff for a long time. Um, but if you want to go really radical, so to almost a no plan B thing, set yourself on fire, just make a radical, blow everything up and just make a really radical uh, yeah. change. But that's only for the okay. brave. Yeah, I'm, and, and I've done it. Well, it is. And Okay, you've done it. Yeah, so I've done it. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. Tell us how you've done it. You because, just, well, that's just it. You just, you, background yeah, before okay. you answer that, if that's okay. So going back to what you were saying about being stuck in a rut and kind of getting a bit bored of everything that's, because you've done everything, as you say, you, you've had a, a very exciting life. Uh, and, and I've been kind of thinking like, oh, you know, well, you know, the kids are going to be leaving home soon. And actually, could I 
and and it's interesting you say reinvent yourself is quite a gentle thing I'm like well could I what, what could I do could I completely change career for example um and and I've been trying sort of to I've almost been like maybe I'll become and I had to try and think of almost what was the complete opposite of what I am and and therefore what could I become and I was thinking well I could become an accountant because I'm not great with figures um you know and and I kind of went yeah that's never going to happen because obviously I can't concentrate for long enough to do something that I'm just yeah, but listen to all really that into. language I can't I can't do this I can't do that which well yeah, yeah. you could do but yeah uh, yeah I'm efforts. choosing not to you're absolutely yeah, right exactly. my point being I couldn't think of anything that was would be a complete career change where I wouldn't just sneak back into personal development. Um, so yeah, so but is that a, but that's the courage thing. So you know, it does take courage to reinvent yourself, but it's more gentler than setting yourself on fire. So setting yourself on fire, you just blow it up. There is no thinking, not trying to figure out. You just obliterate everything. The friendships, all just boom, you blow it all up, and then you figure it out because you got to piece stuff back together. Um, the reinvent yourself does take courage um, because, yeah, you want to hang on to your safety zone. Um, I want to do what I what I know what to do and I know the results if I do this. Um, so it's a little bit general, but it does take courage. Yeah, go opposite. But then when you do the opposite, listen to all the voices in your head saying, oh, but... You know, that means I got to start from the beginning, the bottom of the beginning. So maybe don't listen to the voices in your well, head. Just, no, I said, when I say listen, I mean, if you Notice say to yourself, them. yeah, if you say to yourself, I'm reinventing myself and I want to do the opposite, I guess what I meant to say is when you're certainly going to hear a bunch of voices telling you why you can't do that. But then, you know, the courage is to work through the voices in your head that's telling you all the reasons why you can't do that thing. Um, and then carry on with that with that uh, process. Um, so yeah, so that, I think that'll be my last two things that I would leave you with: either reinvent yourself or set yourself on fire. Um, if you want to get out of the rut, if you want to get out of the rut fast, set yourself on fire. You have Absolutely. to live. You, listen, yeah. you have to live with the consequences. So that's a lot of courage and stuff too. I mean, look at Jesus; he did it, didn't he? A bunch of people did just left everything. <laughs> how do we get you? You're looking at me like, how do we get to Jesus on this thing? Well, I was also thinking, how did Jesus kind of blow everything up? He just, I mean, obviously, he wouldn't he, blow well, it was, he didn't start his thing until he was 40. His ministry, did he not? yeah, okay. So, so I don't know much yeah, about well, Jesus. So, I mean, think about it. I mean, 40 years old is when Holmes started doing his thing and he walked away from family, friends, all of that. Um, there's a book by. It's an older writer. Oh, dang. Um, and it's kind of along the lines of the Dale Carnegie thing. Um, oh, think. Is it Think and Grow Rich? Or not? No, that's, it's, yeah. Think, that's Napoleon Hill. Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, Think and, I th- uh, I'll find it. But in his book, he outlines all the people, um, like big famous names like Jesus and some other folks and, um, can't think of some names right now, but I'll I'll get the title of the book. Yeah, do, do. But they didn't start their gig until 40. So they had this whole other life. Um, uh, Gilly Carbone, if you're into him, uh, he did the the same. Uh, Buddha 
Sid Arthur. I mean, he had, he was a prince. He had all sorts of stuff and he just left all of that to go sit by a river and go, oh, do you know? He gave up all of the wealth and stuff that he had. Um, oh, is so, this reflected in today's society by people giving up their you well, know, that's careers? Set, that's setting then, yourself on you know, fire. Yeah, absolutely. So you walk away from a corporate career and a regular income yeah. and take your hobby and make that into your, well, I would say your second career, but actually I think most people have four or five careers now. Yeah, well, I know there's a number of writers and people that like you said have done that. It's just like, you know, they quit their high-paying job and go and teach surfing or mm-hmm. um, one of the guys I like as a writer wrote a book called um, uh, Dirty White Pajamas was one. The other one, being a man in the modern world. Don't write these down. You don't need to put these in the show notes. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and, and that's, you know, exactly. He came up with this thing about if you can um, – because when you get all these things, like you know, to get a new computer is energy. You got to go and you got to buy it. But if you so, if you want to scale down your life, think about what things are going to cost you in terms of tying up your energy. And if mm-hmm. you can reduce that, you could go be it. If you can, yeah, reduce it, then you could go be a surfing instructor or that kind of thing. I forget this exact technical term you use for, but anyway, uh, I'll find the name of the one book that we do want to put in. Because uh, he does out as a whole sort of ch- chapter about and he because he's about when um, or and these examples of the folks who were in their sort of forties before they actually just walked away from everything that they were to become something greater, but they had to make a big break because, as you just kind of mentioned, in the reinventing, if you're still kind of trying to hang on to old pieces then you then you're making a you're making a uh, you're trying to play it safe you're trying to change but trying to keep some of the other things together uh, but this radical shift puts you in a space where you you make a break from all of that and then you yeah then you're in a place where um you create some whole new, and and i'm not saying that that's easy that's why i said it takes a lot of courage to do that um but it's an option it is so right do you know i can feel that we could bubble on and actually probably go on for another hour or so um so it's kind of but yeah no we're good and then you've got this yeah. thing about wanting to summarize some stuff so you go on and do your summary yeah you see when you say it like that then that makes it sound like you know forget it but it's because i'm trying to i know uh, i'm just saying do an element of what i would consider go you know, for professionality it. that's what i'm saying so but yeah, then you okay. get a, you get a sense of the kind of podcast that i am or individual i am and the kind of one that you are and I'm. And this is my example of, you know, if this is a thing that'll help you to make commitment to it, to have a summary, then you summarize away. <laughs> but I don't what? need a summary, so you <laughs> summarize to your heart's content. Okay. Well, thanks for that. So, um, yeah. So obviously today we have been talking about being in a rut and giving you hopefully a variety of ideas of how to get out of the life rut um and that might be in one area or several the key thing is to start to become self-aware so you're probably listening to this because you're aware that you are in a rut in some area or in your life as a whole it's 
then about really understanding, okay, so what part am I playing in this rut? How am I keeping myself stuck? How am I keeping myself small? And then when you've kind of worked things through and you might want to reflect and go back to the beginning and why you started something and actually are the circumstances still the same or have they changed? And in which case, what's the impact of that? And then getting to the point where you can make a true and I loved your examples, Clay, the, you know, the both historical ones about that no plan B, actually, you know, be as brave as you can possibly be, because that will propel you forward. So make a true decision and take action on that true decision. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to today and you probably heard quite a lot more about behind the scenes than uh, we were necessarily anticipating sharing with you. But it is a great example of, you know, we all go through ruts, whether it's something that's personal in our behaviour, in our thinking, in our doing, in our living, or whether it's something that we're producing or creating. So, yeah, I hope that you've enjoyed it. Please listen and subscribe and share um, so that we can reach more people and they can join in the conversation.